Tim. What's up? It's been it's been a week. It's been it's been a little over a week. Life uh as as it as it was wont to do, likes to rear its ugly head sometimes. Um Mm -hmm. you had to do some work. I had to do some work on myself because I was a 33-year-old the last time we recorded this podcast, and now I'm a 34-year-old. I'm into my 34. I'm no longer a a man in my young in my early 30s. I'm now in my mid 30s. Uh, no yes. panic, no panic at all. No no queuing of uh, oh my god, my life's over. I'm gonna hit the hill. Did uh, get a good buzz on. Shout out to Vacation Land and uh, Barrel Souls. Had a nice stay puffed beer, but you know, all things considered, good sports, and we're almost getting playoff in basketball. Playoff in hockey, baseball's going good. Football might actually have fans in the stands coming up. I think everything's going good for season two, episode ten of Stats of Matter. I think we should recap the draft. I know plenty of people have done it, but no one's done it like we do it. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA playoff push, and I think we got to talk about that person, not the Paul brothers. Although we probably will talk about them because you know they just oh. keep staying in the media. Uh, we got to talk about Tim. So we'll, we'll finish up with that. In our cups this week, it's a sour ale from Portland, Maine, and an IPA from North Haven, Connecticut. Everyone knows, of course, you get stats no matter wherever you find your podcast: Google, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Stats Podcast. We'll do the same thing on Instagram at Stats No Matter. Tim, let's get into the show. Let's go, boys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. The little May song. That, that's like the only May song I know besides Breathe, Stress, Shake, Let It Go. You know that song. I mean, it came out yeah. like when you were in high school. Yeah. Which I can make yeah. that joke. But it's also now because I was in college. I'm 34, 34. Okay. <laughs> Tip. The NFL draft is going to have to wait because you have got yet another Sky Gazer beer. And there are so many IPAs that you're drinking in these episodes now that I'm not sure if we haven't like swapped bodies. You know what I mean? And because <laughs> and, I, I had some Imperial Stouts the other day. It's now stout weather, even though it's like almost summertime. And you are now drinking IPAs. So tell us, Fine Sewer, what are you drinking? I actually uh, went out on the hunt for a good stout. And this one just kind of caught my eye. I have uh, had several of their collaborations on podcast so far but i have not had one i stand corrected the the last one i did have of theirs but it wasn't uh it was it wasn't an ipa i got sky gazer um this one's called chapter one event one ipa with galaxy and citra um it's another one of those rotationals that they uh they do periodically um this is what the actual description reads because it's written like a uh, like a story it says uh, 821 days into a 10 year explanation mission to the far reaches of the universe aboard their ship traveler a small four person crew approaches their target their targeted event horizon under full power everything went silent the crew altered into a paralyzed state from an unimaginably strong gravitational pull forces beyond comprehension were now in control of the ship a necessary tribulation to ensure their story would continue. And this was only the beginning. So I'm intrigued. It's it's like a comic book playing out on the back of this uh yeah. back of this can. Is that a 
is that a beer like where you get to the bottom of it and you find out if you have like you know superhero powers or is this the tagline from that really terrible Hillary Swank uh, Mission to Mars Netflix show that was only one season? You know what I'm talking about? I oh uh, I think I know which one you're talking about, but I have not uh, I've not seen it. It was so I, good. It was so good that my wife, and my mother-in-law, watched it in front of me, and I decided to scroll through social media. That's how interesting it was. So I mean, I, I guess it's it's one of the two things. It's either comic book level of interesting and speak up at speed of comic books have you watched invincible on amazon prime yeah man oh it's amazing do, do you know what i did I, yesterday binge it the whole thing Dude, all, all eight episodes <laughs> what you been wicked late last night but i'll tell you i watched all eight episodes and i was like yes where I, I like this new this new realm of comic uh you know inspired cartoons we're getting I don't care if you take whatever you're 34 years old. Yeah. There is too much wanton violence in comics that was not explored. I absolutely love it. I'm here for it. First of all, anyone complaining about uh, cartoons has clearly never watched Archer because that needs to be on everybody's watch oh, list. I fantastic. Quote, I quote that show, I think, more than any other show I've ever watched. But no, Invincible, I thought I talked about that on the last podcast. No? You might have. I might have. But uh, anybody it- who doesn't know, it's, uh, it's on Amazon. It's a comic book that came out, uh, I want to say in like 2008, ran for a couple years. Um, but the guys who wrote The Walking Dead got together, uh, decided to make a cartoon out of it. They got J.K. Simmons to voice one of the lead characters. And I think Seth Rogen is involved as a writer and producer as well. Yeah, he yeah. is. And he, and he has a, a recurring feature in it. And they have a couple actors and actresses from The Walking Dead that are actually in the show, like Stephen Ewan and, um, mm. oh man, Maggie, uh, Maggie, what is her, what is her name? I'm, I'm spacing, but, uh, but she's in it I, as well. I, f- I fell off the Walking Dead uh, bandwagon after like the fourth or fifth season when Same-sy. the yep. storyline was just the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Like, you move to a new point, you find yourself in peril, some major character dies, <laughs> which <laughs> I me- guess is what happens in the zombie apocalypse, but it just... No. Became too repetitive for me. Yeah, I, I, I got a personal point of contention. You know, like, and we'll get to the beer in just a second. But I got, I got to wrap <laughs> this up here. Choo choo, get on my, you know, my, uh, my, my thought train here. They were in Alexandria, Virginia, with the governor. I live in Alexandria, Virginia. If the damn zombie apocalypse is happening, I'm not leaving Alexandria, Virginia. There's Wegmans right down the road. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's like literally a quarter of a mile. I'm, there's a barbecue joint. There's a gas station. I'm not leaving. I'm not going to Atlanta. I'm not going up to the district. And I'm sure as shit, I'm not going to Texas or California. I'm staying my ass put. So after about five seasons, yeah, it's just kind of like, I don't know what they're doing with the show here. But okay, let's hope yeah. that the beer, volume one, chapter one, yeah. is is a comic book. So I've, I've, I've spoken enough. We've gone completely off the rails. You know, you know, it's funny. I haven't even, isn't there, there's a movie event horizon, isn't it? Yeah, this is. isn't from the. That isn't a a, a takeaway from the movie, is it? A copyright infringement. We are not, not advocating for that. A, a throwback. Maybe it's a a nod to the movie. I don't know. Could be. Someone, someone, tell us because I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. All right. Smells phenomenal. Uh, Skygazer is one of those breweries that's a local favorite. Like the people around here who have had it. Really, really love it. I've just never had the opportunity. This is the first time I've seen one in distro. COVID happens. I didn't get to make it down kind of before all that happened. And they were just sort of not up and coming, but they were just getting themselves 
really going uh, right as COVID happened. So glad to see them still pumping out beers. They're usually big into the sours. They have one called Watercolor that everybody loves. That's the one I talked about last week that mm-hmm. uh, was like super sweet. Um, but the first IPA, this is the first beer that wasn't a sour that I've had from them. So cheers. Sour or what was the one I had a couple weeks ago? Was it another sour or was it like a stout? I think it was a stout. Remember. Was it the, it was the floofer, the, the fat orange cat floofer. Hmm. Yeah, this is good. This is really good. Uh, surprisingly good. I don't know why I say surprisingly. Everyone keeps talking about it. Um, but it has that like fresh. One of the things about CT hops, not hops from CT, but uh, Connecticut breweries is that in that process, the beers they make taste incredibly mm-hmm. fresh. Fox Farm, I've talked about before, is my favorite brewery in all of the Northeast because their beers taste exceptionally fresh. Every time you have it, feels like you've gotten it right from the the fermenter into your glass. You're enjoying it no matter you know how you came about the cans. This kind of gives me a lot of that same fresh feel to it. The flavor is not quite on par, in my opinion. As Fox Farm, that's a really, really high benchmark. But overall, I think this is... A really, really good beer. This is um Yeah. I don't one one thing I don't like doing, I don't like smelling my beer because it's the beers not. not because the beers never smell like the flavor. One of those things where a lot of the flavor in things that you eat, like Skittles, for example, or most candies, the flavor comes from the smell, right? Whiskey's the same way. You want to literally breathe through your nose and your mouth at the same time as you're taking a drink, because that's where you get a lot of flavor from. But if you put your nose in a beer and you smell it, it doesn't smell like the taste of the beer at all. And this is one of those where it smells fruity. It smells almost like like a cantaloupe, but there's zero cantaloupe taste in there. But it's really hard because most beers taste like I'm sorry, most beers smell like a brewery. It's a weird thing yeah, I know to what say, you're but anybody about that, who's like been in a brewery, yeah, yeah it's, it, it smells like a grain bill, like you're standing right outside the boil tank and dumping out all the grains. That's what beers generally tend to smell like. This one doesn't. It's interesting. It, it's got like a, a melon cantaloupe smell to it, but I don't taste melon or cantaloupe. It's all citrus. It's all those galaxy hops, but... You can see the... Uh... The, the lacing on the glass. So, you, you know, it's definitely a good old fresh yeah. dank, uh, dank special right a, there. It's a little bit more bitter than I was expecting. Um, I think takes away a little bit for me just because, you know, the citrus tends to be either really candied sweet or tends to be like that bitter grapefruits, like sort of back end. This is more on the grapefruit side. I'm not a grapefruit fan. So that takes it away a little bit, but I'm gonna give this one a three nine. Nice. Three nine. Three nine. Very good, very good beer. I would definitely I usually judge my beers by, by whether or not I would order one if I saw it on the list. And this is hundred percent one that I would I would uh order if I saw it out. I'd, awesome. I'd actually even like I'd seek this one out actually. Good. Good stuff. Shout out to uh Skygazer. Maybe there'll be another one next week. <laughs> uh we were talking earlier before we, we hopped on. Uh, shout out to Vacationland. You know, they, they sponsored uh, a few of our podcast episodes uh, last summer. 
we were able to get some really good beers. Uh, and one of those great beers that was in uh, those beer boxes that we acquired from the stork was um, Stay Puffed, which is uh, an Imperial Stout from Barrel Souls. And I had their um, Hot Cocoa Stay Puffed. And it was incredible. Unbelievable. Uh, I drank the whole thing myself. I intended to share with someone else. Couldn't wait. Got a little greedy. Definitely bit off way more than I could chew. That thing hit like a pile jack, but it was so delicious. Uh, five out mm. of five. So we won't let that, you know, tint anything <laughs> I'm about to say. But this is this is also another uh, main beer. This was, you know, you got a beer fridge, right, Tim? And you keep yeah. beers like in the fridge and then you kind of forget about them. And people are like, how could you forget about the beers? And you're like, well, because I buy more beer. And then I just kind of put it in front of the beer that I had before. And then like you open up the fridge and you're like, wow. That one's still in there. That's that's why I had this. So um, we ended up going to Maine, obviously, around Christmas time. And I hit Oak Hill Beverage and Redemption up there in Scarborough. And I got this sour ale from Four River Brewing Co. It's called Rosa Rugosa. It's a sea rose, blackcurrant, and lime sour. Now, I got this back in December. I'm pretty sure as a sour ale goes, it's kept until now. But I've been doing a lot of IPAs and stouts lately. So, you know, it's time to reset, reset the, reset the, the gill just a little bit. Right off the top, nice pink color. Still got good head retention, so I'm assuming it's still mostly fresh. Mm. And it smells like this one is about to assault my palate. <laughs> I, I always get this way, like with um, like bourbon barrel beers. No, no problem. I'll go ahead and sip them and I'll put them down. That most bitter of IPAs, even Dogfish 120, whatever, give it to me. I, I, I'll throw it back. Sour ales, like I just did the thing you said you never do. You said like, I don't smell these beers. I always smell sour beers from the top because if it smells like super pungent and it's not like a fruit flavored sour and it really smells like spoiled, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to like that. <laughs> and there's been so many waves of like pollen that have been coming out lately that I can't. I mean, I just I smelled it like twice. And I smelled a little bit of it, but I couldn't really get a good scent. And I'm mm. vaccinated, so it's not like I have anything to worry about that loss of smell. So, but let's yeah. just go. I won't pinch my nose, but you know, we'll go and throw it in the hatch. It looks like Kool Aid. It literally looks like you're drinking juice right now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now, ooh. Okay. Towards the end there, the lime. I didn't. I didn't need the lime. Uh, I like black currants. I like them a lot, uh, especially in like pastries and in beers. Uh, pastry beers, of course. Um, the sea rose, I'm good with. The lime, it's just at the end, it just sort of, it's too much. The lime is too hmm. much there at the end, and I think this beer could have done necessarily without it. Personally, I, I, I think the beer is good. Uh, I'm going to give it a three six. It, it, it is a good beer. It, it would obviously be a lot better if I had drank it when I bought it, probably, I think. Um, I do like that the the flavors are still pretty much solid for sitting in the back of a fridge for six months. So shout out to Four River for that. I, I like a lot of their lagers too. That's usually what I get from them. So it's good to good to branch out. Only four and a half percent. There's no like comic book story on the side of it. So I have nothing really to say about <laughs> this, this beer. No but contribution. It's actually not from Portland. It's from South Portland, Maine. Sopo, across the bridge. So got it. Shout out to Four River. 
Tim, the NFL draft mm. happened. Yeah. You might not have watched all seven rounds. I'm not saying I did either. I definitely watched five of them. It was great to see fans at an NFL draft. I put a, I put a status up about it on Facebook. I think I put a tweet out about it too. There is just something so heartwarming about hearing actual people boo the commissioner. And I think like, you know, the first couple of years yeah. when, when Goodell was like hearing that, he was probably like, oh, I hate this part of the job. Now he's relishing it. Last year yeah. on Zoom, he was like, come on, come on, get a little bit louder. Knowing there was no way that they were actually going to pipe in enough people being loud and booing him. And this year, it was like it just made him stronger, like Thanos yeah. or something. He was like, come on, give me your boost. Is that all you got? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, but we got, you know, we got masks on. We're going to be loud. He's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, keep booing. <laughs> like, it was like the power yeah. reversal has finally gone back into the hands of the commissioner where he can just do whatever he wants. We can boo all we want and, and nothing changes. Oh, yeah. and that felt good to get back there. It really did. Once, once, once you own and absorb and encourage the uh, the booing or the negativity, it tends to fall off because it's like trolling. Like when you stop feeding the trolls, it then no longer becomes a thing. So as soon as, or in his case, it's almost like it. Okay, it's no longer cool to hate him because now he wants you to hate him. <laughs> like, he he has essentially become the hipster. <laughs> You're yeah. like, oh, you you can't boo me. It's not it's not cool. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I happen to like it. I think there was no surprises. Trevor Lawrence went number one overall. Zach Wilson, number two overall. I think we all thought those things were going to happen. You could say whatever you want about that. But if you told me, outside of anyone except for Tim, who said the Trey Lance is going to be a 49er, I would have told you you were lying or high on something. And Tim, congrats to you. You called it. Apparently, you <laughs> and Kyle Shanahan are on the same page because you knew something even Trey Lance did not know. I did also say that uh, Garoppolo would be gone before the weekend was out, and that didn't happen. So I'll, I'll go one for two. Yeah, bad 500. <laughs> not a big deal. I yeah. think I think obviously what this says, um, we can put as much stock we want into uh, the draft and mock drafts and where we think teams will will go with with yeah. with drafting players. It also says something about the fact that like we can say definitively X team needs – a, B, and C players. And then when they grab the D, E, and F player, we go, what happened here? And they go, I don't know if you know this. I run the team, not you. <laughs> I know what yeah. we need, not you. You might have an idea of what works best for us based on best draft position for player available, best draft value, which is off the Jimmy Johnson scale, which supposedly is no longer used, except if you look at any trade that's been accepted, it follows the same points value as the Jimmy Johnson scale. So it's obviously still being used. And that's how you get something like this. Clearly, whatever Shanahan and, um, oh, Jesus, why am, I why am I spacing on the GM's name? <sighs> For San Francisco. Mm. John Lynch. There we go. Yeah. Not, not, not in the Hall of Fame yet, John Lynch. Safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. in that, that Super Bowl season. Former Fox broadcaster, GM, John Lynch. Look, they, they obviously knew what they were doing. And they were very, very smart in the fact that they didn't go to some people's pro days. They went to some other people's pro days. And they did a lot of their vetting behind the scenes. I, I love that part of it. I do think that this represents just a little bit of a departure, I think, what the 49ers are going to want to do. Because obviously, Trey Lance is a lot more mobile than I think Garoppolo can be at this point in his career. So that's interesting. Um, Trey, give him all the credit he came in and said, 
looking forward to learning from Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy reached out to him and said, happy to have yeah. you on board the team. Uh, again, San Francisco does not need to pay this dude $25 million this year if they don't want to. They can just, they can just cut him and move on. But you get a quarterback. All the hubbub on draft night was, where's Aaron Rodgers going to go? Which was a, a completely awesome, like, woge bomb, I guess you could say, or a shefty bomb. Like, just knowing that there is so much quarterback division. And it, it's just happy, as a Seahawks fan, it's just happy to me that another team has to deal with a prima donna quarterback. Because it's not me anymore. I don't have to deal with this shit. Packers, you got yourself into this mess. So, that that is to say that most of the draft went yeah. according to plan. Right, there's a lot of people who thought this player's going to go here, and they did for the most part. There were a couple teams like the Raiders, for example, who were grabbing people that some of the analysts thought was maybe too far or a stretch. But yep. maybe some of those people forget that Mike Mayock used to do the draft, you know, stuff. So I, I think he probably, you know, being a general manager in a couple years removed, he's got like that. That doesn't go away overnight. You don't lose that that skill and that ability. So. I, I I thought it was personally interesting. It was good to have the fans back, get some booing, get some good picks. And of course, I mean, these young men's lives are, are being changed, obviously, uh, forever now because they're they're ascending to that status where probably like 1% of all college athletes ever make it. So it's it, it's a big deal. Yeah. I uh, had to work this event. So I was watching it through a different lens than what I would have normally watched it. But it did give me... The opportunity to like really focus in on what was going on so i agree some of it was in my opinion a little forced um you could tell not the i don't want to say agenda but you could tell there was a clear message behind it which was get vaccinated right because they made sure they said as often as possible they could hug each other because they're vaccinated and that kind of tugs a little bit at the strings you know for people who are missing their families and adds is like a little bit of a uh, you know, uh, a motivation to get vaccine. So it did feel a little bit infomercial y when it comes to vaccines. But I do. Hey, I, folks, I, I, do you yeah. want your favorite player to come to this team? Call now for your COVID 19 vaccine. <laughs> yeah, we'll look wait. at all the, call the yeah. next five minutes. We'll double your order. Just yeah, pay shipping and handling. It was literally like once, you know, every 10 minutes, something about, you know, the people inside are vaccinated and they're here hugging because they're vaccinated. And I get the importance of it. I'm that I got mine already. Mm-hmm. My family's got theirs. Sam, he's got his, but it felt a little bit forced in there, which is a little unfortunate because of the, you know, the event being back was one of the first, you know, televised up close and personal live events that, that went on. Um, but no, it was. Uh, I I agree a hundred percent. It was nice to see people back in there. It's nice to see people getting involved. Um, kind of makes you feel like we're we're on the right path as far as picks and whatnot go. Um, Mac I mean, Jones, who Mac yeah. Jones, Jones. <laughs> there was uh, a a couple surprises in there, but for the most part, you know, there wasn't a lot that really kind of blew anybody away. Um, what I can't help is every time I watch the draft and help but feel for the guys, you know, who they expect to go high in the draft and then don't. bring them in. They got them hooked up with cameras and they keep panning in after every pick and you just got to show them. And those guys are trying to be classy and, you know, kind of roll with it. And they're like, you know, pretending like there's nothing wrong and there's nothing going on there as they kind of 
slip down the draft board. But uh, yeah, Mac Jones is an example of that, right? You know, I, I don't think anybody picked him to go top overall, but you know, I'll get into the Patriots decision making uh in a little bit. But um yeah, I don't think there's anything that was, you know, too over the top. It was like, oh Patriots did pull two kind of interesting moves for some of their picks, but for the most yeah. part, I think it was kind of like status quo. I mean, if you got a shot at one of the quarterbacks, you, yeah. you got it. You got to take the move, right? And and of course, like Cam's injury history is is a big part of probably why they went up. But yeah, trying to replace Brady is just not going to happen, right? You got to go, yep. and you just got to get a quarterback. Franchise quarterbacks are very difficult to come by, um, and you know, obviously, Belichick knows Saban, and Saban, yeah, you know, has known Mac Jones. For years. And the fact that the Alabama quarter room, quarterback room at one point had Tua, Mac Jones, and Jalen Hurts, it's just that's an embarrassment of riches. And then if you look at their wide receivers, which is in, in even more embarrassment of riches. So, like, whatever the knocks were, and, I, and I'm probably guilty of this, right? Like, <laughs> Mac Jones, good rhythm and timing passer. I think he'll go into a prototypical New England scheme. But we, we don't know. Maybe that scheme will change this year. They just needed someone. And if you don't get one of the, the, the top few, you weren't going to take Kyle Trask. You were going to take Kellen Mond. You weren't going to take those other quarterbacks. So, like, it makes sense. And yeah. and the Patriots, you know, to, for their credit, they're, they're really going for the fences this year. I don't know if you noticed it, but it's just like all the free agent spending, some of the, um, you know, their draft picks. You're kind of like, oh, okay, this is this is very not yeah. typical. And, like, you could hear people on the announcements, like, when they're, when, when they're commentating about it, they're like, Oh yeah, the Patriots should go this with the pick, and then they don't, and then they're like, "Oh, this is this is uncharted territory. Like, where do we go from here?" And like, yes, yeah, twenty twenty one. Like, we're coming out of a pandemic. Like, obviously, the game of football needs to change a little bit more for the better, and people really want to see a good product. So, I think this draft for a lot of teams is probably what is going to get them through the next like couple of years. Uh, yeah. So they get they got a hit on a couple of these picks or. Those ticket sales are going to increase and then dip real soon. We'll dive into those a little bit, but first I got to hear about Seattle. Okay. Three draft picks. Stat that doesn't matter is there are very, very few teams in the common draft era who have had less picks than the Seattle Seahawks in this draft. They had three picks. Usually some of the uh, the teams that were really bad, like the Jets had like two, uh, like in the early 70s. But typically when you get to a position, you'll have a few picks, you're usually wheeling and dealing. You're trying to get more picks. Um, you're using that second rounder, which they had to to kind of get you a couple third or a fourth rounders. And you know, the conventional thought is you'll move into day two and three of the draft and get as many players to fill out your roster as possible. The Seahawks have not wanted to do that. They've been very adamant and and vocal in the fact that the way the pandemic shortened the college football season, they were not willing to take as many risks on some of the players as they would have in the past. And that was a very big thing. The medical history part of the draft was was huge this year because that wasn't really tested at the combine, right? So, you, like, you didn't unless you brought a player in for actual, uh, you know, get the doc's hands on them. You don't really yeah. know what you're going to get. So this 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 year didn't feel like a wash, but it sort of felt like at the top you knew exactly who's going to go in the top ten, and they were completely worth it. And then really, there were a lot of other players that just had an asterisk next to their name. And that went all the way down through, I'd say through probably like 75 through 256. Every one of those players probably had something that a team didn't feel was comfortable about them. Only three picks. Seattle used all three picks. They tried to trade out of 
Um, their second round pick, I think 50, 64th overall. Um, but they went and took a two-way wide receiver combo. Dwayne Eskridge. This guy has a ton of speed, absolute ton of speed, gunner on special teams, played both positions, wide receiver, cornerback. I don't think that Seattle's going to make him a corner, even though we do need some corner depth. But the, the thing about wide receivers in Seattle is that there's always been an undisputed number one, number two. The third wide receiver has always been that, that person who's been really, really um, important. And at the height, uh, I think, of Seattle Super Bowl window, in well, their first Super Bowl window, right? You know, the top number one receiver is Doug Baldwin. Then Jermaine Curse was the number two guy. And the number three was uh, Ricardo Lockett. And they called him Lockett the Rocket. And he was just a clutch guy that Rush knew how to find. And I think that's something that they struggled with a lot last year. Um, when teams figured out that DK was going to run crazy all over the field or Lockett was going to run a slot, they were like, well, who's the third option? We'll just double cover him. And that's where a lot of your third down situations come. You want to get it to a person that you can actually trust. I like a guy that they're saying has Tyreek speed, but knows the route tree as a defender and as a wide receiver. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, he could be the next Richard Sherman. And I don't think people should say that because Richard Sherman is a Hall of Fame player. and We don't know if Dwayne Astros is, is going to be that. I do appreciate the fact that Seattle said, listen, we have to get this guy because he has a lot of range and he can do a lot of things for us. But I also like it because Seattle has the new, their offensive coordinator came from the Los Angeles Rams. And <laughs> in some of the post-draft interviews, Dwayne Eskridge said that the Rams were contacting his agent trying to draft him. So to know that not only did we get a tight end from the Rams, their offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator left to go to another team, and that we stole a person they were drawing to draft, yeah, 100% all about it. Then we get a cornerback, not the prototypical cornerback for Seattle's scheme because they prefer long, tall, lanky corners. This guy didn't necessarily meet that objective, but I think it's fantastic. We need to draft defensive backs for the team, and, and they went and did it. Last pick, a six foot nine offensive lineman from Florida, Stone Forsyth. First of all, what's in the name? Second of all, Russell Wilson is like, thank you. You drafted me an old lineman. It was in the sixth round, but you traded for someone in the offseason. You gave me another old lineman. At this point, if anyone is like concerned about Russell's height, what the Seattle Seahawks are doing is you're just putting a great offensive line wall in front of him. And they're just saying, Russ, just do us a favor and throw it over them. Just throw it over them and go down the field. This is fantastic. I absolutely love Maulers. The only knock against Stone Forsyth, which was, I mean, some scouts had him going as possibly as high as the second round. And some had him in the, the fourth or the fifth or where he went in the sixth round, was the fact that he didn't run block very well. He passed block. He was on a passing heavy team. So, of course, he's going to be excellent. And what does Seattle need to do? Let Russ Cook throw the ball more. 100% about it. So only three picks, the best bang for the buck that they could get. I appreciate that they were going to try and trade, but then they couldn't get a, a deal going. And all things considered, Seattle's winning the damn Super Bowl this year. That's what I'm saying, okay, Tim? Seattle's winning the damn Ooh. Super Bowl this year. They got a, they got an offensive line. They got some defensive line depth. They got a brand new OC. Russ wants to cook. Hashtag let Russ cook. Yeah, they, they win the damn Super Bowl this year. Three picks. It's going to be crazy.
you see who is uh who was slated to win the uh Super Bowl this year? Or who no. came out with the highest overall team score after the draft? No. Who? Uh the Buccaneers. <laughs> because they returned all 22 of their starters. So of course you're going to say that the 22 starters you have, which includes Pro Bowl players, are probably going to be a better chance than brand new drafted players. Come on now. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the Patriots had a ton of picks in this one, surprisingly enough. And uh, <clears throat> they made some moves that, you know, you don't typically see of them. One of them being uh, a quarterback. That's not something you see very often. When you have uh, Cam Newton and Jared Stidham sitting on your uh, sitting on your bench right now, <laughs> remember Stidham's uh, the future though. He's yeah. so good. He's so much better than Cam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still don't know what's going to happen there. Um, I he he didn't get enough playing time to get you know passed along like Garoppolo did. Uh, the playing time he did get wasn't super productive. So um, kind of a, kind of. A tough scenario just in general. So I'm I'm glad that they went ahead and, and got Mac Jones. Uh you know, I think this kind of sets the pace for what they're looking forward to, I would say even before the end of this year, definitely going in to next year. They went crazy in the offseason signing up uh just a bunch of talent. Anybody who was available, they made runs for and ended up getting most of them. And I think one of the things uh, about Mac Jones that kind of separates him a little bit is that he's a little bit more uh, similar to the Brady era of the Patriots, right? And now they're in this sort of post-Brady identity crisis trying to figure out who they are and what they're going to do. At their core, you know that that's their game plan and they want to find a piece that kind of fits that puzzle. And he is one of those guys. He was drafted for his accuracy. He was... Drafted for his decision making, which were two key points to uh, how Brady operated, um, and you know, trying to shoehorn Cam Newton in this run-heavy, RPO-heavy offense just isn't quite, I think, what they're built for, right? McDaniel's, I don't, I, he has a niche, he has a style, and that's not really his style. So I think what we've seen this season is a byproduct of Cam's downfall. And uh, offensive coordinator having to scramble to come up with an entirely new game plan after running, you know, a very successful game plan for a, a long time. Um, that was a good pick. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him getting some starting reps before the end of the season. Uh, he, out of all the prospected quarterbacks that were slated to go high, he was the one that was most pro ready, according to all the scouts. Um, with many people making comments about how well he did in learning the playbook for you know the senior bowl last year. So coming into it, everybody's already leaning on him thinking that he is pro ready. Now I think they're going to give cam a little bit of time to kind of figure it out uh, and mentor. I don't know if cam's the mentoring type. He may say it is, but I don't know behind the scenes. Um, but I think it's a good pick. I think it kind of helps usher in what we should expect long term um i hope they just give him a little bit of time to kind of mold into that and become you know someone worth starting versus where we've seen some other guys who've come in maybe a little too early with some pressure behind uh you know fans or anybody else who wants to see the new shiny toy get in right away 
which you're seeing with the Cardinals right now. Kyler Murray's had some success. Could he have benefited from a little development? Probably. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think this is good. I think we'll see him before, especially if the Pats come out and tank. I, I bet we see him maybe even potentially before the half-season mark if the Pats come out struggling. They come out and they're successful. Um, I mean, I think they'll be moderately successful. You, you don't you don't spend that much in free agency and then take the picks that you do. You know, like Cam's going to yeah. get it to one of those two tight ends. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be a good I, I running game. Man, I don't know because we saw – I mean, they did take uh, uh, a running back in the draft as well. He's not on my list of, of three highlights, um, even though he was a solid pick. Uh, big dude, power runner. He could come in and really make some moves. I mean, we got a lot of depth right now, but Sonny Michelle, he's up, uh, I want to say 2022. They're very likely to not uh, extend his contract that extra year. So I look at him more as a replacement, not necessarily as like a, you know, day one roster guy. He's got a lot of special teams. So that kind of gives him a little bit of a leg up, but I don't necessarily think he's going to like fit in there. But, um, for me, I think the biggest surprise was uh, not not necessarily surprise, but very surprise is definitely not the wrong word because I kind of expected it. Um, but to see how high they went on some of their defensive players, because they had a they had a second round pick, they had two second round picks, and they had uh, two fourth round picks that they traded away. They traded away. Their their second second round pick, and they traded away uh, two fourth round picks to move up in the draft, take a defensive player. So they ended up grabbing. Uh, I mean, you got those eight players coming back from COVID opt out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you definitely want to stack the the bill behind them, pun intended. Yeah, uh, and given the Patriots' propensity to let a guy go a year before he wants, you know, primo money. It, it yeah. makes a little sense to me. I think yeah. it's a little early necessarily when you, like you just managed to get all those picks back. So like maybe don't throw the farm totally at the defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to, they, they threw the 30, they got the 38th pick is who they traded up for. And it was for uh Christian Barrymore and, Kind of an interesting move. I I I get what they're trying to do. They've always been a defensive-minded team that just happened to have the world's best quarterback on the other side kind of run that operation. But there were plenty of games over the last 20 years where defense got them the win. The offense happened to come through clutch. You know, we had several games, big games that were won with kicks because the defense kept them close. You had other games that you were expecting to see blowouts or big time losses that they were in the game. I mean, they've always been defensive minded, but to trade up and to take a defensive player that high, I mean, I I I get it. I get it. They made a lot of moves this offseason to kind of shore up the defensive. The the next pick I'm gonna talk about is another defensive player, which is gonna be even more surprising. Um but this one, for me, I get a little bit wary because you're a team that's trying to kind of identify who you are, what your plan is going forward. Your defensive line has been okay all last season. So to trade away 
three picks. Or I guess you didn't trade away three picks. You traded away two picks and you moved up a pick. But um, it's it's just an interesting move because let's say coming out of the gate doesn't quite pan out. You've now lost two additional picks you would have had in the fourth round where the Patriots are a team who finds success with late round picks. Like we've seen it every draft. They take someone late in the draft. They usually trade down so they get more draft capital and they take a bunch of guys, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth round, come out and actually play incredibly well and have a productive career with the Patriots. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, He comes in, he does well out of the gate. Obviously, that's a win. He comes in and struggles. God forbid it becomes a bust. Then you got to look and say, okay, was it really worth jeopardizing, you know, a couple picks while we're still in this sort of identity crisis mode, trying to get back to our roots? Um, which then kind of parlays, yeah. Which then kind of parlays into the the next pick, which, um, I get it. The medical quality of care has drastically improved. But Cameron McGrone, who's out with an ACL injury, and you drafted him in the fifth round. Uh, I mean, I I get it. There are plenty of players who come back from ACL damage and are fine. But and he was like a Tommy solid. Jim. Yeah, he was a solid, solid player. But already, they've just come out and said they expect him to miss the entire season. Like they want him to have a healthy rehab. They want him to come back. So now you have a guy who you took in the fifth who is out, right? Thankfully, they did sign Bentley, their 2018 pick. Hightower, who set out last season, is coming back. So it's not going to be as big of a hole that you're looking to fill. Um, but you never know what Hightower is going to be like after missing an entire season. You know, he opted out for COVID like six or seven of the other Patriots players. That's that's the one thing I'm going to keep bringing back up because we kept talking about how bad some of their defensive their their how bad the defense was early on and then how good it became. All that happened while they were still missing like five marquee players from the the defensive side. Um, but yeah, he's going to come in at middle linebacker whenever he does get healthy, slide in, maybe kind of fit and be that last piece of the puzzle because there are some gaps both in the the linebacker position and in you know their secondary position. They did get another safety later on in the draft. So they are making moves to, to do some of that. Um, but I, I fully expected it to be defensive heavy drafting that tends to be where they tend to go. It's offensive line for protection for Brady. It was uh, defense to help shore up the other side of the ball. And then they kind of use late round picks or they use trades to kind of bolster up a wide receiver core. They'll find a ball boy. They'll throw him in a uniform and put him out yeah, there. Or, Brady would or find like ways a, to, to target like him. Like a misgruntled free agent receiver running back for their team. Yeah, who's like two years shy of retirement. So we bring him in and we get him for those two years and we ship him off to another team for the wheels to fall off. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> overall, I, I think they did a fantastic job in the draft. I, I would give them, you know, high scores all around. I think it was a very productive draft. I mean, going with a quarterback with your number one pick, I think took a lot of people by surprise, even though you knew they needed it, whether they were actually going to have the guts to do it or whether they were going to, you know, commit to doing that was a different story. And to see them do that, I think it, you know, the future for the Patriots looks 
a little brighter than waiting to see what quarterbacks are kind of on the on the free agency market. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And as we as we're thinking about this before we go into we're gonna probably pick a team that maybe uh overachieved or underachieved. Um I, I can't believe that I was like listening to you talk and I was like, how did I forget that we so we that the Seattle Seahawks selected Trey Brown from Oklahoma? He was the quarterback. Uh, that dude, according to PFF, had a passer rating against him of 29. Fantastic. And his coach said, yeah. when when big moments happen, you're going to find Trey there. So got me thinking. You know, we always get like maybe custom jerseys. I got to get a a Dwayne Trey Forsyth jersey or an Eskridge Brown Stone. Stone, Stone Brown Eskridge. I gotta take one of their names because all these names of the of the guys that Seattle drafted this year are like they're they're crazy good names. Like the way the Eskridge is pretty crazy. Trey Brown rolls out a law tongue. firm. Yeah, Trey, it does. Sounds like a law firm. Stone Foresight, six foot nine. And on his Twitter, he had a photo of him attempting uh for Halloween one year. He attempted to be the rock with the little fanny pack photo. Dead ringer, man. So I'm I'm a big fan. I gotta say, shout out to Matt, listener of the podcast. I do think that the Detroit Lions had a, had a good draft. I think they needed to. Brand new coach. A lot of new expectations. You got a new quarterback coming in. And it was great that they took Penny Sewell, a tackle from Oregon, um, at, at number seven. Could they have taken a wide receiver? Yes, of course they could have. But then you would have been back to typical Detroit Lions football, which is, I think, you have a stud receiver and no one to protect the quarterback. So the quarterback has to... Make all kinds of magic happen. Stafford was able to do it, but he paid the price physically for many, many years. And I just think when you have a young quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback, and Rams fans, I'm sure they don't hate this, uh, Jared Goff is not really that experienced. Yes, he played in the Super Bowl. He did not score a touchdown in that Super Bowl. He, he's known for overthrowing people, right? There are timing and rhythm issues. So, like, get that dude a line. There's a reason why all the, the big money extensions in the league right now go to defensive players because that's where they make the most bacon. Nobody wants to be an offensive line and say, oh, my name is Tim. I have to line up against J.J. Watt. Sure. Sure, I'll get paid $6 million a year. No, when you know that defensive end is making five times that salary, you want to go get that. That leads to, a, I think, a brain drain or a little competitive misadvantage in the NCAA. And when you get a, a fantastic offensive tackle, you got to go. You got to go. You got to do it. But Detroit didn't stop there. They got defensive line folks as well. Guys that are nasty. I mean, <laughs> oh, NFL.com had it in, in their draft recap. Dan Campbell must have loved this guy. Um, just absolutely crazy. Defensive line, three-tech guy on Wazirike. He said in a press conference, I like fucking people up. That's what he said. Now, if you're in the Motor City, you like just it. love to like hear it. that anyways. But when your coach says, we're going to knock you down, you're gonna, we're going to get back up, you're going to punch us down again, we're going to take some teeth, you're going to knock us down again, we're going to bite your kneecaps. That is everything in this player personified. How, I, I would want that 10 times out of 10 over Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith or another wide receiver that can go out there but probably can't block the 320-pound defensive tech that is going to come storming down after your quarterback anyways. Way to go, Lions. I hope, I hope that it works out for you. Mostly, mostly hope that it works out because I want to see if the uh, NFC North can really just fall apart this year. <laughs> but, you know, shout out to the Lions. I would say one of the teams I think that 
I didn't watch the entire draft. I already said that, but looking back at some of the picks that were made and some of the trades that were made, I think Houston might have kind of left themselves high and dry a little bit. I know beforehand, um, they gave up a first and a second round pick when they got uh, Jeremy Tunsils, so they were yeah. already behind the ball. They got a quarterback in the the first round, their sixty seventh pick, uh, and then. In the third round, they went after a wide receiver, but they traded away two middle round picks to get him. One this year and one for next year. Feel like that's a lot. A lot to give up for a third round wide receiver when you've already missed the entire first two rounds of the draft because you overspent to bring in a player. And I feel uh, also that like all this shit that we give to Bill O'Brien, like most yeah. of it was deserved, but <laughs> Some of it's the process, dude. Like whatever, whatever's in the water in Houston, like makes people react a different way when it comes to drafting players. They're like, "Oh, Tim's on the board." Mm, no, we, we can't bring a player like that here. No, let's go ahead and grab this guy three rounds later. He, he's like Tim, but just a little bit less, you know, cost up yeah. front. No, I mean, no. The only thing that saved them is uh, they got Brevin Jordan, who probably should have been like a middle to late third round pick. And they got him in the fifth round, so that's a little bit of a steal. So kind of redeems them a little bit, but you literally gave up so much for two players that I don't necessarily think you're going to get the same payoff for those long-term because, I mean, a first and second round pick, those are huge for a team that's kind of trying to find their identity in the midst of a, a huge quarterback controversy and a player that just might not be in the league next year who you just broke the bank to to take care of it was underperforming kind of a weird year i don't necessarily think i would hold this year against him but i don't think the moves you made were the moves i would have done to try and like recover that team i would have kept those picks i would have probably gone into this thinking like okay we might be looking at a potential rebuild year or maybe we need to bring in a veteran quarterback. I, I hear there's a really good guy uh, up up for availability <laughs> now that you could have gone after. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to be in a tough, tough way for the next couple uh, the next couple years because of the way they managed not only this draft but with what's going on with Watson. Yeah, I I, I do think that all things considered, it was great to get. The draft back, we did see just as many of the cliches, the tired cliches as we're used to. So we're, we're, we're definitely happy about that. And there's some new things that came in as well. So I am looking forward to two things. One, you wear a Decaylin Metcalf jersey because that man showed out this weekend after the Buda Baker rundown. USATF says, yeah. oh, it was an open invitation. Come anytime. All these former players, DK can't do that. He's too big. He's too slow. He's not ever going to be able to do that. This is a waste of time. Why they let him do this? Blah, 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 blah. Everyone talking. That man went out there, ran 10 3 6. Okay. The guy that won it ran 10 10 11. Yeah, he was, he was I like, just, he was, he was like, he a was few in the seconds, faster. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was in the faster heat of the two heats and he was ninth out of nine. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's ninth out of nine. Like, he's six foot four, 240 pounds. He's so big. He's like, he's, a good 20 pounds over Usain Bolt. And that dude was an, a primo sprinter. This guy hasn't run track since high school. Okay? And he came out and did that. I don't hear nothing. So we got Dwayne Eskridge, 
Speed. DeKayla Metcalf. Speed. Dwayne. Oh, sorry. I already said Dwayne. It's Tyler Lockett. The speed and the routes. It's over, man. It's over. It's going to be so much fun to watch these wide receivers this year, knowing they all have super blazing speed. And all those NFL players who are saying, I think I can run faster. I just want to point out, he ran faster than CJ2K, who was who actually ran 100 meters, okay? I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear nothing. Oh, I bet Tyreek can run faster. I bet Nicole Harvick can run faster. I bet this guy, yeah, none of them signed up. So I don't want to hear nothing. Nothing. Okay, let's put a pin in this. Because we talked about some good stuff. Now we got to talk about some bad stuff. Because last year we mm. talked about the Celtics. This year we're going to talk about the Celtics, but it's not good news. First off, Jalen Brown, out for the remainder of the season. Wrist ligament. This has just been like the season for wrist like injuries in the NBA. Like Lonzo Ball had one, but like he, not Lonzo Ball, sorry. LaMelo Ball had, had a wrist injury. He left, yep. came back. Now he's still playing and arguably he got better. That's not going to happen. The Celtics had all the talent in the world. They made moves at the trade deadline and they're on the outside. They're <laughs> going to have to play in to possibly face the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs. What was this for, Danny? Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens. What was this? What was this whole season for? We, we have locker room chats. We had these huge games where, like again against the Nets, you could win a game here or there. You could score a ton of points. You could hold Giannis to uh, you know a meaningless night, and then you just get swamped. You just lose game after game after game after game. You win a couple, you lose a couple more, and now you're you're clearly outside. This is the part that upsets me so much so much about the Celtics this year. They're number seven seed, 35-34. They're barely above 500, okay? Yeah, they're they're in Google shape right now. If they win three more games, three more games they win. They're anywhere from the four to six seed. Three games, Tim. Three yeah. games. Three I don't games. Have the co- and I don't have the confidence that they're going to win those. And, and I no, but I'm I'm saying if they won three more games in the season, then they could have been the number three to number six seed. They yep. could have been they could have not had to deal with this playing uh, tournament stuff, and and they would have been just fine. What is going on with this team? I I just do not get it. And like you said, I really don't have faith that like if they they got to face the Hornets on like the the playing tournament that like if they win, they yep. got to go face the Nets, and if they lose. They got to face either the Pacers or the Wizards. Neither one of those scenarios seems like a great idea to me. And it's just, remember, we were, we, I keep saying that. I got to let that go. Last (laughs) season, they were one game away from going to the NBA Finals. They beat the ever-living snot out of the Miami Heat. (laughs) What happened? What happened to that team? Where is it? Because it's not on the court right now. They might have they might have the same players. They might have some of the same players. They might have new infusions of talent, but like it doesn't matter who gets buckets. It doesn't matter what the what the rotation is. This team does not scare anyone. This team does not have momentum. And this team is not recognizable. Yeah, it's been one of the more frustrating. I haven't watched a lot of the games as of late. But, you know, I follow along with, like, score tracker and stuff. And it's – you see the talent that they have. Uh, you know, I'm on record saying I like this team better when they have, you know, a bunch of misfits and nobodies because they tend to grind out a lot of these wins. 
doesn't feel like that this season. It feels like they're missing something. And and to be fair, they're not losing these. Many of these games are not losing by like big numbers. Some of them are are close games. Some of them are situations where you know there are a couple free throws away from from winning or a couple you know missed shots away from winning. But being down like, just, like twenty yeah. or thirty points at half in multiple games, like that that's something that 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 is not yeah. That's not a player thing at this point. Like that has to be a coaching thing. That has to be like there's got to be shakeups after this year. I don't know if people's heads aren't in the game or what it is, but whew. yeah, I don't know if it's. I don't think it'll be a coaching change. I think we're just gonna go out and we're gonna have to go out and make some trades and and spend some money. I think at this point, like the 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 romanticizing of you know underachievers, I think is kind of reach the tipping point where you you got to make moves now um you got a good base you got a couple good guys on there Kemba obviously was an addition that you know he's kind of done what you know we expected him to come in and do but he wasn't like a game changer unfortunately now we're in in a league where everybody's out to set super teams or Got to have like two or three all stars just to compete these days. So they're going to have to make some moves. Unfortunately, I don't know who it'll be that's on the the, the chopping block. You saw, you know, Scary Terry go last season, um, but I think we're like a year or two away from the the core of this group looking very different than it has the last four years. There's going to have and to be some big names that get offloaded. I, I wonder if we're not even like a couple months, like one or two months away from seeing this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There are 12 games back. Yeah, I, I don't really want to beleaguer the point. I, I'm not saying they're down and out. The fact that they can even play in is great. Their road looks arduous as ever. If they make it first, second round of the playoffs, I think that's that's great. It's not what we want because when a team is perennially in the Eastern Conference Finals, like you want to see them raise a layer of Brian. So we don't need to spend any more time on them because whenever we do, they just play worse. So maybe us speaking not about them enough, we'll get them to do better. But I got to ask, is this the year, I mean, the battle for L.A. was widely hyped, and that has not lived up to the hype whatsoever. No. There have been a lot of injuries, and I think now, as you can see, a you don't, lot need, of injuries. Holy. You don't need a big two. You need a big three, so that when you have three to make one, right? And that's, <laughs> that's what's happening here. So, like, Clippers, yeah, Lakers, they're possibly going to face the Warriors of a play-in tournament. Yep. Yeah, to, to me... There's a lot of teams that I really like this year. Top four, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Nets. They're all for a different reason. The Bucks, they're perennial contenders in the fact they got Giannis and the rest of the team seems to gel and move fluidly around him. So like yep. even, if you've, if, even if you prevent him from going off, like they still find a way to really kind of get some gritty wins. Brooklyn, they're just overloaded. They just have so much talent. It's like on franchise mode on 2K, like, okay, of course they're going to go far. They're, they're going to have some chemistry issues. Once they figure it out, everyone should watch out. Yep. Denver was a team that was very surprising last year with how far they went into the postseason, and yet they return all the talent. They continue to just keep eking out these wins, gritty wins as well. And the same thing with the Phoenix Suns. The Suns were like everyone was thinking, oh, well, they were the bubble stars. They're not going to do well when they get into the real world. Psych. Doing pretty well, all things considered. So I think that those are probably, for me, the top four teams that I can really see making big pushes this year. And 
I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing the Lakers not go back to the championship, you know, oh. even though I just talked about one LeBron to get another Larry O'Brien. I kind of want Kevin Durant to get another one on another super team and really just throw, <laughs> you know, everyone sort of into a tailspin. But I would love to see the Bucks win a title. I would love to see the Nuggets win a title. Yeah. Nikola Jokic. And I would love to see the Suns win a title. I think that would be that would be absolutely great. I agree. I I I am definitely ready for someone else to take it other than like the most predictable teams in the league, right? Like the the Bucks would be cool to see win, but they're one of those that you're like, they should win, right? They're they're phenomenal. Um, but I would like to see them win over like the Lakers or Golden State or the Nets. Any one of those teams, you look at them on paper, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. If they win, that's not a surprise. That's what should be happening. So. Talk about uh, Golden State, a team that was like left for dead. Oh, you don't have Clay. Good luck. Oh, you got Kelly yeah. Oubre. Like, uh, how are you gonna make that work? Steph's like, okay. Did you forget who I am? Like, multiple fifty-point nights. Like, the scoring title is on the line. Like, I don't want to play the Warriors in the playing round either. I, you know. Yep, I agree. I would. Have you seen some of his highlight shots lately? like 23 pointers in a game and he's doing it from like further and further and further just, back. It's, it's I feel a video like we game. don't, this is going to sound absolutely like hyperbole. I feel like we don't appreciate Steph Curry enough. <laughs> I just, I just don't feel we appreciate the guy who came from Davidson and the guy who literally is probably responsible for the three point revolution at the NBA level in the last five years. And we, we don't, we we're like, Oh, he put up 50 points in a night. And you're like, listen linda listen that is half of the team's points like and they're still scoring like he's doing it all like he could be the scoring title he could be the mvp he could be all the accolades this year give that man everything i do not care he he did not want the warriors to just be written off the books and i i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of it because they're a scrappy team now and they're a scrappy team and they're dangerous and you get some players back on the team and that's going to be a big time problem for the West coming up in the future. So, yep. you know, you got to take advantage of those things when it happens. As long Shout as, out to the, as, I was going to say, as long as, as Steph is sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're in trouble. <laughs> if, if Memphis was like, we want to bring Steph home, Golden State might say, okay, sure. I mean, every player is, is tradable. Every player has, a, has an asking price. And the asking price for Steph Curry is 15 first-round picks. Let us know like which years you're willing to give up, and and we'll, we'll you know we'll talk from there. Like that that is it. You can't really say anything more about it. But, you know, so shout out to him for everything that he's doing there because it's it's still making basketball fun to watch even in the in the lower tiers. But also, mm. the Wizards. Hmm. Bradley Beal. Everyone's talking about maybe he'll be moved. Maybe there won't be chemistry. Russell Westbrook. Maybe he won't want to pass the ball. Russell Westbrook. Most triple doubles in NBA history. Now we knew that was going to happen. But him and Bradley Beal, that, that's a good one-two punch. And I don't think yeah. a lot of people are really paying attention to that. It's, you know, they don't really pay attention to capital, you know, sports necessarily. They pay more attention to the other sport, politics. Yeah. But it's it's really, really interesting to see what the Wizards are, are, have done thus far. They've been in, in a lot of shootouts. And some of them they've won and some they've come close to winning. And some they had no business in winning, they won. So that's another gritty team. I don't think they can win the title this year. But I do think when everyone said, oh, Brody's going to the Capitol. Like, they're not going to do anything. Maybe they heard that because they're doing something. Yep. Big fan of it. Big fan. Uh, last bit of NBA news here. Listening to a new audiobook called Built to Lose by Jake Fisher. 
It's about how the NBA's tanking era has changed basketball forever. There's a lot of really good bits in there because they talk a lot uh, from like agents and people kind of, you know, off the record or Daryl Morley, uh, Hinky, all those guys, like, you know, executives. Did you know that the Atlanta Hawks actually thought they had a shot at Giannis Antetokounmpo in the draft? I did not know that. And they brought him in for a medical visit, what in the book they call under cloak and dagger, quote, unquote. (laughs) And they only let half the stadium up so he could see it. And so other people didn't know that there was like something going on. And they tried to keep all the hype about him down because they thought he would be there when they picked at like 17. But of course, Milwaukee picked at 15, rest is history. But there are so many anecdotes about, oh, this guy's ages were, he was such a prima donna. He was this, he was that. There's so much like behind the way that the 76ers really took scheduling and strategy and sort of threw, threw it on its head. And I just, I'm about it. I, I love I love hearing this stuff because it makes me watch and feel involved in the game so much more when I know that the facade they're putting on is just not <laughs> it's not, not real. It. It's yeah. not it. They can come out and go, oh, I'm here for the team. No, you are not. And I know why. <laughs> I uh, I actually prefer paying more attention to like the trades and the off season and the draft than I do the actual regular season when it comes to basketball. It is. I find it. I find it's just more entertaining for me. There's there's so much that you can do with the team, right? Because you 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 have to prioritize those those really those six positions. I would say top five, but like uh, six man is so important now in the league. You you absolutely have to have someone that can come in and provide bench depth. Um, and, and I think the Warriors, for example, showed us that. So it's fantastic to see that there are certain teams like the Rockets who benefited from that, that the 76ers who benefited from tanking. Like, I wonder who the next big team is is to tank because Brooklyn didn't do that. They just said, yeah. we're just going to spend, spend, spend. You know, right. Golden State didn't do that. We said, we're going to bring in people. You know, the Lakers didn't do that. They said, we're going to bring in talent. The Clippers didn't do that. The Celtics don't. Like, so there's always going to be one or two teams that are like, mm, Guess it's yeah. our time to tank, you know, and the yeah, league, I, I, the league's not stopping it. I hate the tanking thing. I, I, hate I it agree. So bad. I, it, it doesn't like on a competitive face. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but the league has seen this happen a couple times now and they haven't stopped it because yeah. enough teams have not been successful in making it happen. So it's not really a trend. And I think yeah. that the, the league is like, all right, well, whatever. Tank for four years. We don't care. It's your, it's your revenue loss. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. We, we're, right, of course, so going to talk. Real quick. So check this out. While while Sam was talking, uh, I'm a man of my word. And Sam, I would like you to check your phone real quick, please. Okay. Here we go. I, I'm a, I, I want Sam to see this so he, he can see why I was distracted on my end. But I am a man <laughs> of my word. He has... Tim has bought a DeKalen Metcalf jersey. Oh, man. It's the Navy one, too. The Navy looks fire, dude. It really does. It really I, does. So the, the, he doesn't have a green one on his pro shop. I, I know I was going to come out in the bright turquoise green. Uh, he does not have one in the green. And the only way to get one is to have one made. And it was $350. And I'm not that much of a man of my work. Like, because so. you spent you spent all that on Midsummer's Night or Midwinter's Night Dram, so you know. <laughs> no, I, I I agree, and I owe you, I owe you a four pack because I lost the bet too, so that will be uh, on the way. Um, I, I will what, wear that sucker the first uh, our first podcast of opening week. 
or beautiful. football. I'll, I'll do preseason even. Beautiful. Yeah, and I, and I'll send you the four pack so you can you can enjoy, <laughs> you can enjoy the spoils of both. Um, what size did you get? I got a medium because oh, large it. jerseys. Uh, oh, you want it? You want what yeah. I'm done with it? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, Tim Tim sent me the, the the snapshot of it, but let's be honest, he's canceling the order as soon as like we're off the pod. He's gonna be like, he's gonna find a way to do some audio visual stuff and put it on there. No, I, I appreciate my, that. I got my large Welker jersey and the thing I like swimming it. And I'm not yeah. a big dude. I'm, I'm 5'11", 200 pounds, and that thing is huge. So I wanted something that was like, you know, not you want to flex. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear it. Like, I'm gonna wear it like Metcalf does with my, <laughs> with my your stomach my, hanging my, out, my keg hanging out. <laughs> totally great. I will too. I will too. I'll fold uh, it up and I'll wear it in the first episode. My belly hanging out and everything. Oh, uh, beautiful. Be awesome. Beautiful. Shout out to Taylor, man. That guy's unbelievable. So much. He's a, he's a specimen. He is. He's absolutely, he's not from this planet. Okay. A couple things we got to finish up with. You you saw the Jake Paul, Floyd Mayweather kerfuffle. Oh, my God. There was zero chance that wasn't a staged event. It zero was chance. staged. Yeah, it was staged. And uh, sorry, that's that, what I mean. There's, there's zero, yeah, there's zero, zero chance it wasn't for anybody who this, thinks that this, the stupidest thing was the fact that, like, you know, afterwards, yeah, like Floyd gets heated in in these these press conferences, anyways. But he like he looked really heated because I mean he got punked on camera. Um, but Jake Paul had put a video earlier. He's like, hey, hey, I'm gonna steal his hat. Like, is this Tim? I hate to say it. I, I keep talking about boxing against the downfall, but like we now have this ninth isn't, graders. This is not boxing. We now have ninth graders that are like, I'm gonna go your hat. <laughs> this All isn't right, cool, dude. Skip English this, while you're at it. Like this, this is dumb. This is so dumb. This makes boxing look like, even if it's an exhibition, this makes it look, in my eyes, just so piss poor. I don't want to see it. If it was Logan Paul that had done it, cool. I would have loved to see that. But it wasn't. It was Jake Paul. This is just shock advertising. It's going to get a ton of buys. Ben Askren and and uh, and DePaul did $1.5 million. This is doing two. I'm just saying it right now. On June night, this is doing two million buys. It's happening. People want to see this dude get laid out agreed and a hundred percent and that's exactly what they're going for they they want and it's going to continue to sell out because people want to see that kid get hurt and i'm slowly joining that same party of people (laughs) because it's just awful but we got to clarify this is not boxing this is like reality tv tiktok world youtube clashing and they're all retired athletes. That's the that's the big point to take away from this. They're not. He's not getting out there against like fighters who are currently fighting. He's not getting out there against UFC fighters who usually who are currently fighting. He has a guy who's been retired for a while. Ben Askren was retired. Uh, Nate Robinson was also retired and not a boxer. Like, yeah. So like, let's not get this confused. This is some bar stool, rough and rowdy, like just more publicized bullshit. It's so dumb. It's, it's being done for money and for clicks and people are buying into it. Like I'm at the point now where I want to buy into it just to see him get his head knocked off. It's not going to be made whether that does it either. I told you, you, I'm still standing firm with the fact that it is a possibility that Mayweather's going to get knocked out, not knocked out. He may lose because he's just, older like time is undefeated we've said that over and over and over he waited and waited and waited and went up against pacquiao got tagged a bunch but pacquiao was older than he was at like 
and both of them were on the cusp of retirement. Pacquiao should have probably already been on retirement, but like he, he went up against McGregor. McGregor put some shots on him early on because Mayweather did say he wanted to put a show on for the fans instead of his normal defensive posture. He wanted to like come forward and, and put a show on and he did. And he held his own, but McGregor did put some shots on him. He did. He did hit him, but McGregor, while a striker striking in the UFC is not quite the same as uh, like power punching in boxing. It is just, it is just slightly different. You're, you're, you're not, your mechanics aren't the same. Your posture's not the same. You're not going to just, you know, pivot on a back foot and land an overhand, right? Because you're worried about getting your teeth knocked in from a, you know, a kick from the left. Like it's just different dynamics. The gloves are different. All that stuff is just a little bit different. I stand by this and I will say this going into it. One of the Paul brothers has an opportunity to knock this man out. I thought Logan was going to fight him first. Now Jake Paul somehow gotten involved. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. But if you like, if you see pictures of Logan now, Logan looks like dropped. He is yeah. jacked, and he is now he's been just quietly doing this for a couple of years. And his brothers kind of swooped in and taken the limelight because he's taking this Mayweather McGregor just shitting all over everybody approach, and people are eating it up. So. This is the difference. Conor McGregor took a hand truck and threw it at Khabib's bus, <laughs> right? Jake Paul took a hat off another man. Yeah. These are not in the same solar system, and it does so much damage, even though it's exhibition. It does so much damage to the people that are doing exhibition fights so they can make a name for themselves. So they can actually go and fight top rank or you know prize cards. So I just... I'm like, guys, well, like really? they, they, neither one of these two are ever going to have like a professional boxing career. Like, I mean, of the two, I'd say Logan seems to be taking this one more serious. Jake Paul will not. He is a circus act and he's selling tickets because people are following the drama and the act of it. Is he a good boxer? No, I don't necessarily think he's a good boxer. Does he have some skills because he's been able to train with some folks? Sure. But is that going to trump? Like if, if if let's say he continues on his path and becomes a professional boxer, no, he's gonna get his ass kicked the moment he steps in the ring with people who've been doing this since they were like children or teenagers and yeah. have this skill. Like sure, first, sure hope it happens. Yeah, it will. He just needs to fight an actual current boxer of his own age. We won't even say prime. We won't yeah. say successful. A boxer who's been boxing in his own age. If he really wants to prove that he loves boxing and he's the future, get in the ring with someone who's also 23, 24 years old. Then we'll see what happens. Well, comes drastically different. Why don't we just give the fight everyone was wanting to see? Why don't we just put Tyson Fury in with the Paul brothers and just let oh, it geez. happen? Both of them at the same time. <laughs> at the same damn time. That man will get okay. knocked out and come back from the dead. I watched oh, that fight live, and he uh, went from... I've never seen someone go from laying down to standing, like, oh, my God, this dude's knocked out and dead, to standing up and fighting as quickly as I did. Some people say he was given an extra two seconds because the ref was looking away, but whatever. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, put him in. Let him do it. Amen. I'm, I'm kind of excited for that, that Tyson Fury fight later on. I know there's a lot of talk about you know crossovers and whatnot, but... Uh, anyways, speaking of retired folks, we got to yeah. finish this out. This episode of Sassel Matter. Look, the Tebow news has been all over the place. 
I, I got some thoughts. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. My biggest thing is this. Tebow did not go to a team that he didn't have a coaching connection to, right? He went to a team in which Urban Meyer, obviously they have a history. He's one of the most famous college football players. He <laughs> tried to branch out uh, into hockey. I mean, sorry, not hockey, into Major League Baseball. Did, didn't make that, uh, that two-sport realization a thing. Um, he's a commentator for college uh, football for a long time. Obviously, he's a lightning rod for his controversy because he was kneeling before Kaepernick was. There's a lot of things you could say about this. Do I think Tebow getting a, a spot is an example of something like white privilege? No, not necessarily. I think he does have privilege, though, because he has a connection with Urban Meyer. And the fact that he's been out the league for eight years and finds a way to get a contract. Now, that's a contract. He has to still go through cramp. He has to still make the team. I got, I got a lot of questions. Like, why? Why now? Like, why are you trying to do this? Like, th this to me just seems more of like an ego trip. And like, that's why I can kind of agree with a lot of teams when they don't allow someone to do this. Like, don't bring his faith into it. Don't, don't say like, oh, he's, he's always persevered. No, he's just continuing to chase things that he hasn't finished or resolved in his life. Okay, that's great. There are punters, for example, like Marquette King, who are fantastic punters. Pat McAfee-level punters. Those are the people we should be talking about getting a second chance to come back in the league. People that have been out the league for a year, two years. There are free agents, numerous scores of free agents at the tight end position who are not going to be signed to an NFL roster because a guy like Tebow can come in and do it. If Tebow had been out the league for a couple of years, the optics would be completely different. Tebow has been out the league for a, a decade. A decade. And he's, and he's possibly taking the spot of an undrafted free agent or maybe a draft pick for this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with this connection to Urban Meyer. And I just don't, I don't agree with it. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I don't want to throw to this dude. I don't care you're the most famous college football player. I'm supposed to be the next generation. I was the, the number four rated college prospect overall. The best, you know, of the, of the best quarterbacks come out in the draft. I don't want you on my team. I'm not throwing the ball to you. Like, who decided this was a good idea? If he had gone to the Browns, if he had gone to the Patriots, if he had gone to the Jets, if he had gone to another team, we'd have been like, okay, that makes sense. You go to a team that you have a coaching connection already in. You're a lifelong friend with this dude. You won him a lot of football games. Of course, he's going to give you a shot. To me, it's like you don't need the money. You don't need the prowess. You don't need the time and the limelight. So why are you doing it? That's the part that doesn't sit well with me. I admire his persistence. I admire the fact that he wants to continue to play the game. Yep. You should have done that shit three years ago, five years ago. It's eight years. It's it, it's it's on. It's over with. Like move on. Yeah. For me, I got kind of a. I don't know. I, I I try and look at it from both sides, right? If I ever had the opportunity to go back and let's say play baseball long after I left, and was like, was like, hey, look, coach, I played with you for a long time. You know what I can do. What are the odds I can come in and try out, and you can make a decision? And he said, yes, 100%, I'm going to take that. Not necessarily my fault that, you know, other guys in the league are sitting out trying to compare hunters to tight ends, I think, are two very different things. He didn't I, even play I in that know. position in the league, though. So, no, like, but when for he him was, to just take a position. No, but when he was in the league, everybody was saying he should be playing tight end. Everyone was saying he should have been playing tight end instead of quarterback. In fact, but prior to his draft, they were trying to encourage him to come in as a tight end during the draft. And he said, no, I'm going to enter as a quarterback. We know how it all played out. We know how it all went. But 
I mean, if the guy's continuing to be healthy and the guy's continuing to work out and he has some skill sets that are there, why not? I mean, he's going to put tickets. He's going to put butts in seats. He's going to sell tickets. No, he's not. Sell merch. No, he's, he's not. going to. There no, are plenty not, of people who are going to follow him. It's Trevor Lawrence's team. It's not his team. You can't come in there and do that. Yeah, but he's it's not a quarterback. Like, Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback. He's Trevor Lawrence ain't throwing him. Let's let's be honest about that. Trevor Trevor Lawrence going to throw that dude two three routes a game. And and throw it to him. It, like don't go chasing fantasy points. How, how not do we know be he's there. not a? Uh, I mean, there's no saying he doesn't come in as a blocking tight end, which we yes. saw a ton of. Tim. Yeah. Tim, he's been out the league for a decade. He's trying to come back sure. in, and he's essentially that Steve Buscemi meme with a with a the skateboard over his shoulder. He goes, mm-hmm. "Hello, kids. Where can I buy some drugs?" Like he's not yeah. with the lingo. He's not. He's not played the game. He doesn't understand. He might have understood understood the game like then, but like it's not the same anymore. Well, like, you're 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 acting as if he hasn't been involved in football. Like he watching he's football is different than playing football. And like yeah, but to say he's not, but to say he's not from the game. Yeah, but to say he's not going to understand the lingo or how it works anymore, that's completely inaccurate because he's if, literally still involved in the level. In fact, you could even go a step further and say he's probably more in tune with what Trevor Lawrence's lingo would be than if he wasn't uh, yeah, you know a, college, court, a uh, college analyst. Look, what, is, what is he doing? After, after um, you know, college football today, is he out there catching 50 passes off the jugs machine? No, he's not. How do we know? Oh, how do we know gosh. what he's doing? All oh, my I know, gosh, this is... He's, he's it's unbelievable. He's only 33 years old. If he can get Ancient out. Ancient NFL years. If he can get out. I mean, we have a current quarterback who's going to draw a lot of attention because the greatest he's quarterback of all time. Do not compare Tim Tebow. I will not let you do this. I don't know. Second, I'm not talking about first, first, first of all, first of all, those two. They're not in the same fucking solar system, Tim. Don't first of all, I'm talking about the second greatest quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers, who's oh. currently commanding a lot of attention. <laughs> I see what you did there, Tim. I see what you did. <laughs> who's currently commanding a lot of attention and he's down. trying to play until he's 40. But anyway, all I'm saying is this. Uh, the reason those kickers aren't in the league, I don't even know. Like I, I, Kicking in football is one of those weird things where I know the skill is Des just... Why was Des Bryant on the is, so is insane. But... Like, if he showed up, I can't fault the guy for going towards a connection saying, hey, I think I still have something to contribute. Let's try it out. They watch him and say, sure, let's see how this goes. How do we know we didn't get signed to, like, the league minimum? Like, maybe he's making $170,000 to come out and try and see if he can play no, and I, end up I mean, using the, him on, like, a blocking quarterback position. Yeah, the I mean, minimum a blocking... for that position in that year's service is probably like 850000 So, like, okay. he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the money. He's got plenty right. of money. What, I, what I'm saying is that. if they're not paying him any sort of major premium to let him come out and give it a try, and let's say he does become just a blocking tight end because the dude is still in phenomenal shape. He is kept cool. up. At- He's phenomenal shape. To walk yeah. around it, he's not phenomenal football shape. They're different. He's been things. playing baseball this whole Ugh. time. He's been trying to play baseball. Trying so to he, play baseball. He's, not actually. Okay. Russell Wilson tries to play baseball. Has right. it happened? No, it hasn't. But he's still been training with professional teams and not training like a pitcher trains where you know you come in looking like David Wells. Like brutal. He the guy Absolutely is still brutal. in phenomenal shape. He was involved with the New York Mets organization. That's not a slouch of an organization. So. I don't know, man. All I'm going to say is I can't fault the guy for reaching out, trying, and they said yes. He didn't make them say yes. They said, yeah, let's give it a try. That position is a little different than kicking is a very skilled position, whether it's punting, 
or catching kicking. footballs as the tight end position in a position where you like have you have a blocking to... tight end. Every team has a blocking tight end. Gronkowski gotta... for almost the first half of the season oh God, was dude, nothing I more than a blocking believe... tight end. There's so much mental gymnastics. You're like, how is it? Like Tell Simone me how Biles I'm doing, doing Tell gymnastics me. to make this. Tell me, I never once said he was going to be a great catcher. I never once said I, he'd be a great yeah, I receiver. Think, I don't think he will be. I'm From the, the beginning of this, I said, why not have him in his shape and his figure and his strength as a blocking tight end? From the beginning, I said, why couldn't he be a blocking tight end? There's no mental gymnastics. You're just trying to win the argument, and you're not listening to the argument. No, Nobody's no, no. saying he has to run 50 yards and catch passes if he you're does. going to use him for his – There are. There are players you really think on the Patriots. Good blocking tight end. I cannot you know? wait to see him get blown up in a preseason game, thrown backwards. By it, like it's it's possible, but if he it's came not out possible. And, it's going to happen. Okay, if he came so out, we got to put him this? through a clinic, and he we did put well. A on this? He did. Do well I have enough. to order a Jags Ebo jersey. He did well enough. One of the greatest college coaches in history decided to give him a chance. I think he knows a little bit more than. Stupid. Or he knows what Tim the bodies and Sam, are. Right. The two. He, he knows more than you and I doing our, you know, weekly podcast. I'm going to go ahead and defer my judgment to the professional who evaluated him and said, "Yeah, let's give it a shot." That's all to I'm me, saying. To me, this just seems like this is a great footnote in the Tim Tebow AMC Lifetime movie because that's exactly where we're going. It, like this dude wants to make a triumphant comeback to the sport he loves after being away for a decade. It reeks yeah. of a Hallmark movie to me, Tim. That's yeah, the I mean, biggest problem I have with it. But could you imagine, like, players who left the league and really wanted to come back and do that and didn't? How many of them might be rooting for him? I mean, you got Beast Mode, who's retired, like, 28 times and still comes back to play every single time. You're like, dude, you haven't retired for one related. year, not 10 years, Tim. I know. Then, I'm just saying, like, if you gave players – who still thought they had what it took to play an opportunity to, to come back and they made it to a team. You know how pumped a lot of them would be. You know how many guys have retired and like Julian Edelman, you think 10 years from now, that dude is can, not even retired for a season yet. Don't even bring him up. Let's, let's, I'm let's saying, do something. Let's talk about someone who's, who's actually probably a great football player. And if you're retired, I want you to keep the same motherfucking energy. One Peyton Manning. Okay. Peyton Manning's going to come back. He's going to play walking tight end. You cool with that? No. What that out. makes that we'll is the, the worst. Sunset. That is Jared the worst Allen, argument I've ever heard. Chicago Bears and Vikings guy, come back and play fullback for the New England Patriots. No, stay retired. Stay retired. It's the like, worst argument I've ever heard. Was Peyton that'll be Manning, like Booger McFarland just saying, you know what? I want to play offensive line again. I'm coming back. I'm, I'm done with the booth. I'm coming back. Like Jason Witten. Okay, he retired. All, all, he unretired. All he to, he's now retired again. All Booger would have to do was eat about 28 more meals a day, and he could probably be out there on the offensive line. Let's be honest, but. No, trying to trying to say Peyton Manning coming back and playing tight end. Don't you, you keep forgetting? Everybody involved in the draft, every scout said Tim Tebow you should play tight end. Tim Tebow convert play tight end. Also said that how many of Lamar them said, Jackson should be a wide receiver? How'd that work out? Uh, judging by last year, maybe he should have been. <laughs> that's that's trash. We're not even gonna go there. Keep going. Yeah, uh, why? Keep going hey, your hey, point. Why? Yeah, he had three stellar years, two stellar years, and now we're like, oh, yeah, well, maybe he should have been a wide receiver. Let's see what he does this year. Anyway, all I'm saying is I'm going to trust Urban Meyer over Sam and Tim's shitty opinion over whether or not he should get an opportunity to play. I comparing him to kickers, to comparing him to 
other positions is tough. He's not coming back as a kicker. If he came back as a as a punter 10 years later and got a deal, I would almost be more willing to say, like, yeah, I mean, punter, let's be really just go kick the ball. <laughs> there's got to be a reason those guys aren't on the team. There's got to be a reason. Got to be a reason. There's new punters every single season you could just pluck from the draft or yes. from a college team. It's and there are, there are plenty of great tight ends that are out there every single year as well. They grow in trees, in case you didn't know. So you don't need Tim freaking Tebow. Nope, but they so, do command a lot of money for the good ones, so why not get one for cheap and see how he does? Don't forget, we're talking about the Jaguars here. Sure, they got Trevor Lawrence, but they're still the Jaguars. There's still other things they need to be doing. So let's not. Yeah, I will have you know pretend. that Daryl Bevel is the offensive coordinator. He's a great Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator of lore. He's going to do fantastic, and Dude, no routes are going so that to means, Tebow's way. That means you also think Trevor Lawrence is going to start this year? Uh, 100%. You don't draft like to do day one overall. Yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't he? I don't know. It's it's a lot of money oh, to uh it's a lot of a lot of money of, and a lot of uh a lot of capital to put in a guy who has not taken a professional snap and then given him the the reins. You could end up with a a Burroughs situation or Tim. Tim Tebow wins one playoff game and you give him 83 chances at, at at the foul shot. This is this is unbelievable. It doesn't make any sense to me in the world. Hmm? I want you to keep the same energy when Blake Burroughs decides to come back in five years from selling cars, smoking cigarettes, making YouTube content, and decides he wants to play for the Carolina Panthers or something. I want the same energy from you. If he say, shows oh, up, of course. If, if he, he shows up, play. they put him through a physical and he passes, they give him the opportunity. Why the hell not? Who am I to say no? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm just saying, the optics of this overall could be a lot better. I'm you shouldn't wait in a decade. This, this, to me, just seems like this is a bucket list thing. And this is a lifetime movie footnote. And... Well, the team that just made the best pick in the draft is the ones who are choosing to give him an opportunity. So straight up, if I'm the number one pick in the draft and I see you bringing this dude in, I, I'm calling the owner, man. Just being honest. Just being honest. And now, what happens if he comes back and has some success? Then what are you going to say? <laughs> I'm going to turn the TV off because I don't want to watch that dude get his leg broken. All right, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Dude can bench press see. both of us still, and he's been out of the league for ten years. Tim, I could, I, could, I could do more 12-ounce curls than you at this point. That doesn't mean I'm a better 12-ounce curler than you. It just means that I have a, a particular set of skills, and if you uh, if you leave this line open long enough, I will find you, and I will hunt you, right? Like it's just, it's, He's just typecasting himself. That was the Liam Neeson joke, by the way, if you didn't get it. For I, the kids. I, 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 did, I, I did get that. Yeah. I just, just uh, I'm telling you, this, this is the only thing we got to say. If it was two years after you retire, it's different than being retired for almost 10 years. This just reeks of a lifetime movie deal to me, and I'm just not a fan of it. I hope – I will say this. I hope he makes it through camp. I hope he makes it through a couple preseason games. I hope he goes out to the field and finds whatever peace or comfort that he needs. And if he only dresses for a couple games, then that's great. And if he's able to provide some mentorship to some players, fantastic. I just don't like the perceived favoritism. That goes along with the fact that because you brought this dude to national championship, you get a chance to go back. And understanding that Alex Smith also wanted to reach out to Herb Meyer, see Ooh, if there was a reunion in the cards. Hold on, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm about to throw a wrinkle in your argument here. Throw it. Because the only wrinkle guess, is not in Tim Tebow's perfectly Botox forehead. Guess who wasn't even there when he came in for tryouts? Your boy Herb that's... Meyer. Yeah, your boy that's giving him... Uh, 
all of the benefit wasn't even there during the tryouts. Probably for a good reason, because you don't want to deal with the media scrum of quote unquote, the Chris Collins PFF podcast. Love that there's guy. A, there's a thought going around. He was in the best shape of his life, asked to see if he could work out with a couple of our coaches. I wasn't even there. They came back to me and said, wow, this guy's in incredible shape. Then I went another time and watched them try him out. And they said, go work on these things. Come back later. They try him out again. I'm not there. They come in and they say, wow, this guy's ball skills. He's a great athlete. He looks like he's 18 years old, not 20, whatever he is, 33. I said, guys, <laughs> you don't understand. Now this guy, he's the most competitive maniac you're ever going to talk to. So he wasn't even there. He wasn't there for the first one and he wasn't there I'm for the so, final one. I'm so glad that he's such a competitive maniac that he couldn't hack it at quarterback and he couldn't do anything than win a BS playoff game. And I'm so happy he's, he's such a competitive hack that he couldn't make it in the league. But after 10 years, he suddenly found a way back in. Tim, you know who I blame for this? Who's that? I blame a lot of people, but they are in no particular order Gene Hackman, Keanu Reeves. And the rest of the cast of the replaceables, because that is why shit like this is happening. Oh my goodness! I bet it comes back in, and I bet he—I won't say he's a, a pro bowler, but I bet he, I bet it comes back in, and they find a niche for him. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make a bet on this right now. Okay, and it—and I'm doing it. You made a jersey bet, so I'm making a jersey bet right now on video. It's happening. Tim yeah. Tebow, six touchdowns, more. Right, so, so that's the cutoff. If he has less than six touchdowns, I don't do whatever. I don't, I don't get the jersey. But if he has six touchdowns or more, eight hundred receiving yards or more, and plays, here's the kicker: seven games or more, I'll buy a Tim Tebow <laughs> damn Jaguars well, jersey. Eight hundred yards in seven oh, but games. He's a- He's an athlete in the best shape of his life. There's no way he's not going to come back. He's so good. He's a a competitive freak. I want all the listeners to just understand what just happened, where Sam continues to say my mental gymnastics drive said, blocking tight end, blocking tight end, blocking tight end, blocking tight end. And Tim (laughs) and Sam has just decided that the bet he wants to make is going to put him in like the top 10 tight ends in the league. If he's, he's such an athletic, competitive maniac freak, he shouldn't have a problem yeah, doing talk it. About moving, not, talk about moving. He just has really good hair and he's sculpted like Adonis. Like, I don't want to hear it. Talk about moving the goalpost. You just went, I said, hey, he could make, he could probably make a place for himself as a blocking tight end with a couple catches. And then you literally just put him up there with like Gronkowski and Hertz as like <laughs> being in their stat rank, maybe 200 yards shy of those guys. Yeah. And all a, the scouts. That all is a scouts, joke all of the a scouts, bet, and you're making it. All the scouts it. said he should have been a tight end, Tim. All the scouts. So mm-hmm. he was supposed to be a better tight end than a quarterback, so I guess he's been waiting all these years to have this breakout season, so it better mm-hmm. happen, and it's not going to. I'm just I'm just calling you out for your, your bullshit mock attempt yes. at a bet because you just Jesus. put him – you literally put him in the top 10 tight ends in the league, which nobody You're has even said. He's going to be one of those top tight ends because the tight end position Ooh. is... Ooh. Ooh. I need everybody to go back and listen for the last 10 minutes and someone pinpoint where I said he was going to be the best 10 in the league. You I are fawning over said, so hard. I just said blocking. Where is receiving in that conversation? I don't well, know. I mean, usually you complete the block and Every, if the quarterback's terrible, then you might get the ball. So, Tim, I'll do you a favor. 
four touchdowns, 600 yards, six games. Um, I got to look something up here. Let's look. It's not happening. So look at fucking no, no, one. No, I'm not, not looking up anything with Tim Tebow. Hold on, stand by, everybody. Tim's. <clears throat> we 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 know you're you're a Tim stand because it's the name, or I, I'm not sure what it is, but no, 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 no. Just saying. maybe it's because you have the baseball connection. Because like he want to play baseball, you want to play baseball. I don't. I don't know. Hold on. <clears throat> Doing a little looking. Little look see, look see here. Putting in the show notes. I right, put in the put in the, put in the notes here. Let's, let's do it. Four TDs, six hundred wreck yards, seven games. If it if it uh, if it pushes or over, I got a Tebow jersey. If not. You have to do a what's in my cup of like a, like one of those twenty four uh, ounce seltzers, <laughs> and not a, and not a good one either. All right, like deal. a real shit one. All right, deal. Just looking to see. Oh, just looking to see what Greg Olson did for you guys last year in his eleven games. Uh, well, I mean, he was also injured, so yeah, but he still started eleven games. No, he started eight games. And Seattle uh, doesn't use the tight end position at all. Ah, uh, 239 yards total. So what you're saying is there are ways for tight ends to contribute without you having to moving actually the receive. You were talking about moving the goalposts. We're like making yeah. this episode super long so you can compare Tim Tebow to Greg Olson. I'm Tim just Tebow, saying. who's never played in the Super Bowl, Greg Olson, who has? I'm oh, just saying. Boy. How about Jacob Hollister? How did he do? With his three touchdowns. Uh, but Will touchdowns. Disley, who started 12 games, who had two touchdowns. Again, Seattle does not prioritize the tight end position. Why don't you mm. go back and listen to my venting mm. in some of these early episodes? I'm just saying, it sounds like the thing you, you need some to be doing is looking up Jaguars sounds, tight ends and what they've done because they're not going to do shit, which is why Tito's not going to do shit. Sounds a lot like you have tight ends. Who don't have to catch the ball and score touchdowns to contribute. That's all I'm They're saying, on man. A run That's first all I'm team. Saying. That's all I'm saying, man. You can but admit. Do you, ex- do you accept the terms of the bet or not? Uh, seltzer? I'll put a seltzer down all day. No, no, no. You, you, like, I have to review it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and yeah. if you don't make the four touchdowns, 600 receiving yards, or seven games, you have to do it. Hey, James O'Shaughnessy from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Familiar with him? Yes. 13 I games? Picked him up on the... 13 games started last year. Guess how many touchdowns in the entire season? Dude, this dude, like, probably... Zero. Like one, two. Zero. Zero. 262 yards. Mm-hmm. So mm. that means that means you shouldn't take this bet because Tebow's not going to change that. that that's... I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, if if we're talking the way I thought... He might be used on this team. It sounds like this team also doesn't really utilize their tight ends either. So you're not going you would, to. Actually, you would know that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now we can call Sam out on his bullshit because he just said, oh, they utilize the tight end position. And then now he just said that they picked up or that he picked up their tight end last year. And how did he contribute for you in your face? He didn't. 
He did. Exactly. I, I'm in a super flex league. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, of all people on this podcast, one of us should know more about how the tight end is utilized on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's that why I'm making you. Bit. That's why. That's why I took down. That's why I said the super uh-huh. high. That's why I said the super high thing, and I said, "No, nah, I'm going to bring it back." Sam, don't uh, make me do this. Sam, don't make me do this. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to break you off something even more. Three touchdowns, 500 <laughs> receiving yards, six games. <laughs> So now still more touchdowns and receiving yards than the entire tight end roster of the Seahawks combined <laughs> with the Jaguars. They're not a tight end team. <laughs> Neither we're, are the Jaguars, going... apparently. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but okay, three touchdowns, yeah. 500 yards. All right. This shit ain't happening. Uh, and now watch this. Watch. They sign him. Uh, Trevor Lawrence comes in, has a little trouble adjusting. He's got Tebow <laughs> there to bail him out because no one's bothering to cover him. No. no. No, no, no. All right. No. Anyway. We've we've gone on long enough about this. I've already proven my point that Sam is wrong about all of this. And we'll see. And when he's you're totally wearing, full of shit, and we shouldn't listen to him anymore because he met Jeff Jersey and drinking a 24 ounce seltzer for a "What's in My Cup" segment in the future because it's gonna <clears> happen. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining. Sorry for listening to us bitch and moan, but that's what happens on the Stats Don't Matter podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes. It should be like time limits don't matter, but yeah, also true. <laughs> We will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Share, like, subscribe. Tell all your friends about it. Follow us on social media. Tell Tim how wrong he is in the DMs or on a post or in a comment about Therefore, how it's not gonna it's not gonna work. Tim, it's it's not it's not Tim time. It's not. Says says the guy that says Jacksonville is a tight end heavy team and had the tight end who had zero points. Anyway. Gotta go, everybody. Have a good one. Peace. (laughs)